Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. We're back in the building, Shots Fired, featuring myself, Kairos MMA, hey. and G from What, what up? No Chisanga this week, he's uh, on his way back from, did he say Spain or Italy? I can't remember, it was some European country, but he's um, on a flight right now as we speak, so no Chisanga, but we do actually have him in audio form, so later on in the show you will be hearing from the man, the myth, the legend. But you know what? We've got quite a lot to get through. There's a lot to get through on the docket. First up, the man, the myth, the legend this week, Kairos MMA. Listen, guys, I have had, I've led a crusade about motherfuckers who don't want to fight yet or in the fight game. And y'all laughed at me. Y'all said I was crazy. Y'all said these people should deserve to not have to fight. You guys make excuses for these people. You guys make puff pieces about these people. And you guys constantly, constantly let certain people off the hook. But I'm telling you this right now. Based off of where the UFC is going right now, fighters are not going to fight anymore when it comes time to fighting for titles. Colby Covington just got a rematch with Kamaru Usman later this year after beating Tyron Woodley and sitting out for a year. How does beating Tyron Woodley at this stage in his career constitute a title fight? How? It doesn't. We have Stipe Miocic on Instagram commenting on 1FC's IG after they said, who would you like to see fight at 1FC? Stipe, listen, first of all, you're too big to fight in 1FC. That's just strict. Let me stop. Stipe, you don't fight enough to fight in 1FC. You sit out year after year after you lose titles, and then you beg and bitch and moan about how you aren't getting respected. Fucking fight. There are a lot of people who have lost their titles and immediately had to go back to fighting. People who actually had title defenses, people who actually were active before, yet he doesn't get his way. And in fact, he already had immediate title fight rematches in the first place. So it just makes no sense why he should be able to sit out for an entire calendar year again and get a title fight rematch again, while everybody else in the heavyweight division is actually fighting, which sounds weird to hear that people in the heavyweight division are fighting, but they're fighting. And then who else? Dominic Cruz tried to do the same thing where he was healed after his like fourth surgery and sat out for another calendar year, hoping that TJ Dillashaw would come back into the mix and be like, well, I have a win over him, so I should be able to. And then people were just like not fucking with it. So I'm telling you this right now. It was like how the UFC was when you when you side and the Reebok deal first came about when they drained everyone of their cash. So they had to fight. But now that people are starting to make money. And now that people are starting to have positions of authority and saying, well, I can collectively bargain with everybody else who's under this manager and we aren't going to fight. You're going to see a lot fewer people fight more and more frequently. So it's just I'm sitting here thinking, is this for the betterment of the sport where people are now? I don't want to say financially able to sit out, but are willing to sit out and complain about their situation and not do anything about it. Is that for the betterment of the sport or is that for like the detriment of the sport? Because me being objective, I'd say. It's both, but me being me, I'm saying that's fucking ruined in the sport, and I don't want to see it. So who am I gonna ask first? I'm going with Queen G. Yes. Okay. Queen G thinks this. I think as a fan, you have every right to be that upset because it sucks for us that fighters can sit out and just kind of like play their hand or use their leverage. But you have to put yourself in their shoes. Sometimes it's it's the best for them, whether it's for money, whether it's like, I'm, I'm not going to let Dana treat me this type of way, or you did it for that person. So now you're going to do it for me, whether you like me or not. I kind of understand that, but Kairos, I'm with you as a fan. I'm sick of people like fighters sitting out. I'm sick of certain fighters being able to get a title shot off some old ass win. You know, like when you beat up Tyron, you get a title shot. Why? Leon deserves the title shot. I don't care what you say. It's, it's insane, but 
I think it's okay if he sits out and wants to play that game because I understand. But as a fan, I hate the time off. I don't know. I'm playing both sides of the fence. Mike, what do you think? Fuck them. (laughs) Up. (laughs) Mike from my entertainment. Fuck what you want. I think that we as fans and media members are constantly going on about fighter pay, fighter conditions. But when they get themselves into a point where they're leveraging fighter pay, where they are in a negotiating position, okay, I'm going to just basically just sit this one out until you actually renegotiate or negotiate something which is palatable to me. We bitch and moan. What side of the fence are we going to be on? Are we for fighter pay and conditions? Are we saying we are with the fighters in terms of getting them what they want, making sure that they are recompensed properly? Or are we going to be selfish and A, not even pay for a pay-per-view? I know for a fact, up and down the timeline, there are people who say they are for fighter pay and do not invest in pay-per-view. Do not shell out that. What's it for you guys now? $70? on a pay-per-view. So really and truly, fans are a contradiction in terms. On the one hand, they want it um, free. And on the other hand, they want fighters to be recompensed for their skill and bravery. Come on, let's just call it what it is. We're being selfish here. I'm with the fighters. I'm with the fighters when they say, you know what? I think I'm going to kick your uh, request to have me on the card into the long grass. I'm going to expose you when you put together these matchups without even consulting me. The amount of time that this happens and fighters are pressurized, fighters are put in the headlock and actually march to the octagon. No, no. I think it's high time that we stood behind all of this flag waving, all of this bravado about, yeah, we're with the fighters and basically... Be with the fighters. Okay, I'm not letting doesn't you get like off with this that. answer. I'm yeah, not letting look. you get off with that. First of all, yeah, me paying for the pay-per-view only helps two, maybe four fighters fighting on the card. We're not gonna sit here and act like that. And the percentage of that money, majority isn't even going to them, it's going to the organization. So for us Thanks. to sit here and say, Well, if you don't buy that pay-per-view, you aren't helping the fighters. I'm not helping a fighter who's already gonna be making millions because they have pay-per-view points anyway, on top of the fact that they're probably making 500K because they're the main event. And we're not gonna sit here and act like Stipe Miocic is leading the charge on equality for fighter pay when that man has been radio signed on the issue for a minute. A lot of these fighters who we want to champion and say, well, they're sitting out to make extra money. They're doing it for the betterment of the fighters. They're doing it for the betterment of themselves. So how the fuck can I champion champion someone who isn't going to fight for everybody else in their organization and just themselves and is a selfish son of a bitch? Y'all tried to make Jorge Masvidal into a fucking martyr because he sat out and wanted to make more money. And you guys tried to dress him up as someone who was trying to help the UFC. You guys dress up Conor McGregor every time he steps up and says, I'm not fighting until I get paid X amount of money. And you guys say it's better for all the athletes that he's doing this. No, it's better for himself because he has the, this position and he's using it for himself. You guys dress up all these other fighters who want to sit back and not fight and act like they're helping other fighters. And it's not. It has never helped other fighters when they have sat out financial situation. It has always been for themselves. If they actually wanted to help out and if they actually wanted what's better for the sport as a whole, they would collectively bargain, but they still have not done that. So that's why I'm done trying to act like these people are saviors because they're not. They are question. not, they're selfish. Yes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Question, Kairos. Press, press those brakes. Press those brakes. Sorry to, to, to jump in. Press those brakes. We all collectively here, us three, know that it's an individual achievement sport. So why are we talking about the collective good when we know that when they are bargaining, we know when they are negotiating, we know when they are actually abstaining from coming back to the cage. It's not for the greater good. It's for them. But yet, we want to talk about we are all for fighter pay, yet we want to talk about fighter conditions and the fact that, you know, certain fighters still, basically, Stipe being one of them, has to hold down a full-time job. Now, Kairos, I hear what you say about the collective good, because it's never been about the collective good. I think that we'd be fooling ourselves if we talk about the collective good. We know that's not what it's about. I know what it's, that's not what it's about. And that is why I'm holding firm on this premise. It's for individual achievement. It's for individual gain. Fine, I get that. But we have collectively talked about the need for better fighter conditions. But you are saying now, no, 
Um, dance, bitch, dance. You are here for my entertainment. You are my jester. I am saying that, but not as bad as what you're saying about it. Here's what I'm saying. Yes, but also no, because I can't say no to that because it's essentially that's what I'm saying. So yes, and or but how many times are fighters actually able to renegotiate their contract in the middle of their contract so that they can main event in an event or take or have a rematch? I We act like that happens all the time. People are like, well, he's sitting out to make extra money. I'm like... But bitch, you're under contract for six fights, making 50-50. Like, how frequently can you say, oh, yeah, I'm not fighting until they renegotiate my contract? We don't see that happen as frequently as people pretend it is. I think we only see that when it's like, okay, we absolutely need someone to fight this person at this event, and we are willing to do that. And a lot of time, I don't even know if they're really actually changing their contract or if it's just for this fight, one-off, you were making X amount of dollars or you were getting X percentage of pay-per-views. So... That's that's the other thing that's in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, great. You're trying to negotiate this contract, but how frequently are you actually able to negotiate that? How frequently is the door actually open for the UFC to say, okay, fine, you're currently making 50 and 50. Let's make it 75 and 7. I don't think it happens as frequently as we're talking about it at all. So for fighters to think the whole fighter pay hinges on them being able to negotiate in the middle of a contract to improve their circumstance is foolish. This fight starts before you've even entered the UFC. Stop hiring your brother as your accountant. Stop hiring your boyfriend as your manager. Stop hiring your father as your head coach. This is the shit that leads up to these positions where you end up getting fucked. Yes, the UFC is fucked. Absolutely, and it needs to change. But I'm sick of people trying to rest it all on the UFC's shoulders. You need to advocate for yourself and make better decisions before this even comes to pass in the first place. We have people who are sitting with the Cowell brothers still, as a manager. They've had John Jones fighting for a decade for $500,000. What type of fucking management is doing that? How? And you see fighters underneath the banner who are still loyal to these motherfuckers. So at this end of the day, yes, you should advocate for yourself. But you also can't let it hinge on one thing. And that one thing being, I need to renegotiate this in the middle of my contract. No, bitch, you need a better manager. No, you need a financial advisor. No, you need a better coach. All these other things that you have not even put into place for yourself, and yet you just want to leap over all that and say, well, I just need this. How about you get the people who get you to there in your corner in the first place? But that's just me. But yes to what you said, but and. <laughs> and G, what were you going to say? You've never agreed with a fighter that sat out. Like, can you put yourself in their shoes and at least try to see, like, why they would do something like that mm. before I, you get to the conclusion that you have and then kind of see what's have up? Have I ever agreed with a fighter who sat out? Have you ever been like, me too, I would have did that shit too, or like, I wouldn't let Dana do that, or that you've never, nah. Yes, I've agreed, but I think I've agreed with a fighter for strategic purposes. Cause I know in the, cause in my mind, I don't think you can renegotiate that contract that frequently like that just by sitting out. I understand people were like, all right, I know this person's on a winning streak and I'm going to have to fight that motherfucker. So let me sit out and wait for them to lose. So then I don't have to fight them. And then I can fight this person. I understand that type of strategic, like point of view with not fighting. Cause at least you understand that this isn't a game of, I can beat yeah, anybody. You can understand that they yes. can play chess with their career, but and, you yes. don't think that they can do that with money and, Dana White. Yes. They shouldn't people, do that. I'm saying that it doesn't happen as frequently as people think it's happening. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that people, a lot of people are like, well, he's sitting out to try and get paid more. And then he fights again and he, and people are like, well, he's getting paid more. I don't think it happens as frequently as people act like it's happening. So that's Ooh. why I think it's like, I'm like, bro, he, he's still, he's still making 50 and 50. I don't, I don't care what you say. I just love the notion of when Dana White says dance bitches dance that fight is pushed back and say no i don't think so and i like that and i think that me it's too selfish of us to question why after being asked to dance bitch dance that they say no we know why they're saying that like you say kairos yes granted it doesn't happen 100 of the time but <clears throat> this whole notion of pushing back on dance bitches dance i love and, and also is pushing back on that. And also to the UFC and Dana White are creating a system in which fighters have to be selfish and look out for themselves. It's very difficult to kind of like what Jorge Masvidal did. I see your point Kairos, but 
this is an environment where you have to kind of fight for yourself. Mm -hmm. And maybe sometimes in the process, you try to help other people with you, but like, it's an, it's an unhealthy, toxic sort of environment is, you know, in the UFC, as far as getting paid and whatnot. So they got to do what they got to do. So sometimes I can understand why it looks like a selfish act that they want money for themselves, but what are you not supposed to try to do that for yourself? You're, you're not. You're, you're supposed just, to. You're, you're supposed to just be like, I'm going to be the union leader and get everybody else paid. If you can't do that, what do you do? I if it's too difficult or. You get you, you make sure you get fucking paid and you hold out and you try to make sure you and your managers use the leverage that you have and get some motherfucking money and get your contract renegotiated or get something. Oh, yeah. And you, and you show Dana like you can't do that to me. Matter of fact, you did that for somebody else. But when it comes to me, I can't do it. Fuck that. I'm sitting out. Great. I don't have a problem with that. There you go. There you go. Oh Lord! This <laughs> okay. I'm just letting y'all know right now. Y'all put the final nail in the coffin. In three years, when we have champions fighting once a year, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this combo because this is yeah. gonna happen. We're gonna have a lot of selfish people in the sense where if it's my way or the highway, and they have bad management, and they're gonna say, "Fine, sit out a year. Fine, sit out two years. Fine, sit out." We have like as much as I want to sit here and say, "Absolutely, go out there." and take what you want from the UFC management and sit out there and don't fight. It's like, that's crazy. It's crazy because at the end of the day, they're just going to have someone replace you anyway. The illusion right. is thinking that you can't do this with people. Yes, you. If it, it baffles my mind that you have millionaires underneath a roof with people that you train with and help you prepare for your fight. And those motherfuckers, they're still sitting in poverty. That's the illusion. But this isn't an individual sport. This is a team sport in every sense of the imagination. And if you and everybody underneath that gym opted to say, no, nah, we ain't fucking doing this. You could change it so fast, but because they think in their head, this is an individual sport. That's what happens. You mean but to tell me. Happens, every but what happens when a gym just simply doesn't do that for whatever reason? You just can't say like, oh, just come together as a group. That's just mm -hmm. not how life is. It's not that black and white. So option B is sometimes you got to look out for yourself and then, I don't, I don't know, but there's a serious issue with what you're saying and the gaps in it. Like mm. if it was that easy, people would do it is mm. what I'm saying. You know, and I think I you need know. to keep that in mind. I, I'm you, keeping you know. in mind that the average intelligence level of our fighters is pretty low. We, I just read the <laughs> other day. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I just read the other day. I forget what corporation it was. The, keep fighter, it a buck. the, the employees went on strike for about, I think, it, it wasn't even that long. It was like 21 days. It was like 14 to 21 days. And it, they, they were able, all they wanted was a day off during the week. All they wanted was one day off during the week. And this, I forget what company it was. I want to fucking say it, but I can't remember. But they were able to get that one day off after just 14 or 21 days of strike. So I think just a lot of fighters don't think, oh, there's no way we all can accomplish this because they just have that fucking crabs in the barrel mentality. A lot of these people aren't that smart. It, I'm not going to sit here and say these people are geniuses. Some of them are. Some of them are bright, but the vast majority of them are dumb. The vast majority of them are dumb. If everybody in ATT was like, nah, we're not going to fight. You are in control of so many different positions. You are in control of rankings. You are in control of belts. And they said, no, we're not going to fight. You'd have no choice but to acquiesce to what they said, especially a powerhouse gym like that. So I don't even want to hear if everybody in city kickboxing said, nah, we ain't doing that shit. You would have to acquiesce because you already have two belts in contention and three or other people are in contention for fighting belts within like the next two to three fights. It's just, it, it's asinine to me that, that fighters really want to act like that. What about, what about the legal side of things when a whole gym is like, you know what? None of our fighters are fighting for you, but they signed a contract saying they owe the UFC three fights or whatever. And you don't have the money or leverage to kind of jump on that bandwagon as well. You know, like, I, this is very, there's so many loopholes in what's going on here, but well, as, I, as I, think, I think Kairos is coming from definitely a fan perspective. Yes. Though. Yes. yes. You took and I kind of feel, yeah, and I feel him too, because me and you, Mike, are going to start bitching. He's right. Me and you are going to start bitching about people holding out <laughs> on fights because I already am. The, the welterweight division is driving me fucking crazy. But I get the chess that Kairos was talking about, and I, I get that some people yeah. are doing it for money. But as yeah. a fan, I'm like, well, y'all just fucking fight each other, please. <laughs> Goddamn. 
Stipe too, like enough diva. But then you kind of like, he has a job, you understand, mm. da da da, mm. you know. But he gets on my nerves too. Fucking fight. You're one of the best. And stop <laughs> fighting just Daniel Cormier. Fuck, bro. As you've got the, the fire in your belly, I, I think <laughs> you're up next. Well, my topic comes from MMA Twitter and it's from account Passionately Apathetic. Okay. Wait, and what? he said, <laughs> right. I love Twitter. His name is passionately apathetic. So hopefully he comes in peace. Let's see what he had to say. He said, should, should what fighters do outside of the cage affect their employment with the promotion? For example, Sahara Eubanks in the domestic abuse incident, well, allegations and the John Jones hit and run. So, I'm going to roll with his question. I'm going to answer it first, and then I'm going to see what y'all got to say. Okay, here's my take on things. If this community and everybody wants eyes on the sport, they want new fans, they want this sport to go mainstream, right? Because that's what that means when you want casuals, new fans, and shit, okay? And ESPN and Stephen A. Smith, whatever. That means you got to clean up the sport. Okay. That means their actions outside of work need to be discussed. Penalized statements need to be made. We cannot be this mainstream sport and have our fighters that represent us out here uh, committing crimes. You know what I'm saying? So yes, I think they should be held accountable outside of the cage, especially if we're going to go mainstream, but if we're going to just hang out here you know, in the trenches and just be this ratchet little organization. Okay, Dana, what I'm still going to watch. But if we like, think about it, let's just say, um, hypothetically speaking, the UFC got as big as like Sunday night football or something like NFL or like fucking global, like soccer. You really think, you really think that like, (laughs) I don't even, there's so many incidents I can think of, but you really think they can just beat people up in bars and, and, and act the way that some of them act if they were on that big of a platform. So yes, they should be held accountable for their behavior outside the cage if we're going to move forward and go mainstream. Mike, you look like you dying to say something. Hands are like this, y'all. He's just like <laughs> rocking back and forth. Want me to shut the fuck up. Go, Mike. If these were employees, I would understand where you were coming from. These aren't cops. These aren't firemen. These aren't civil servants. They answer really to themselves. They are independent contractors. You can't have on the one hand this uh, assertion that this is an opportunity and not a career because that doesn't actually speak to the independent contractor brand values if you are not going to say that. Everything that Dana has said, everything and how he has treated the fighters in terms of pay, incidentally, is that of an independent contractor. So with that being said, it would be the height of bad manners for anybody who is an independent contractor, and that is someone who is a standalone entity to be told how to act. They represent themselves. Whilst you and I may feel that they represent the brand values and the brand, the UFC, no, contract and the sport, they represent themselves. They are independent contractors. They are one of the very few in the sporting arena. Now I say sporting arena in terms of football, basketball, baseball, who are independent contractors. And hence the reason why I do not feel as though you can penalize these people effectively for two reasons. One, there is a hierarchy in terms of structure. If you are at the top of the ladder, if you have Dana White privilege, you aren't getting touched. If you're at the bottom of the totem pole and you fucked up or basically there is a transgression, of course you are going to be dealt with. But in order for this to be fair and in order for this to be thorough and in order for this to be consistent, you have to play to the independent contractor narrative. So that says to me, and this is why I stand behind this, no, you cannot go and penalize an independent contractor. Mm. Kairos, thoughts with that? 
in mind, just, which is the polar opposite of what this motherfucker said. But go ahead, Kyra. <laughs> see what both of you both of you are saying, but I'm thinking about other sports now and they handle it. And I watch a lot of I watch a lot of other sports, and we think that they hold a lot of these people to such a high standard. But the fact of the matter is, how it works is if a lot of attention isn't paid to what you did. It does not matter. There are, look up Ben Roethlisberger, look up a few other people in the NFL who have done some stuff that should definitely get them banned. That should put them behind bars. And they got no, they didn't get penalized at all. They didn't get a suspension. They didn't get a fine. They did nothing. So I think we, uh, looking at other sports, we think that these sports hold people to such high standards and they do if the person is caught in 4K resolution and people see face, yeah. yeah, they see Richard Sherman on the door beating <laughs> that shit down. Like, yeah, and it's like, okay, yeah. we see you, Richard, that we know that's you. But mm-hmm. if it's a little bit like, oh, well, grayer, like how they treat Connor, like, oh, we don't see that shit, it's like, it doesn't happen as much as you think. Do I white, think, yeah. yeah, do I think they should hold people accountable? Sure. But do I think it's realistic? No, because <laughs> it's just that's how media works. Some people want to see what they want to see. And I think that. Even if they weren't independent contractors, you'd still have the same situation and scenarios that you'd see in the NBA and the NFL and the MLB and the NHL and, 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 you know. But Kairos, I know that some athletes get away with it because I'm familiar with Ben on the Steelers. I'm not even going to try to say his nasty last name. Um, and, and then like there's James Vick and stuff like that. Like they do time and yada, yada, yada. And then there's also people in the NFL that commit domestic violence stuff and they have to like speak on it. They get in trouble. So I think they're, it's, I hate to say this, but they're doing something. Somebody is like, yeah. you know, someone's head goes on a pike though. Somebody gets, every so often someone gets in trouble or something. I feel like in the UFC, we don't have none of that. It just goes cold, quiet. <laughs> Dana might say something like when Connor threw the dolly, but you know, don't you think they should be doing a little bit of that, especially if they go mainstream? I'm, I see your comparison, but at the same time, they need to be doing something like, can we meet in the middle? Yeah, but gee, you would be ordinarily right if consistently across the board, this is how Dana White deals with people. There is a hierarchy. Not only that, he set a precedent in the past in that let's not just talk about Connor and his antics. Let's just talk about Anthony Smith. Let's talk about um, Greg Hardy. These are people who've had serious transgressions, but yet have been kind of like, given a pass they've been let off they've been almost given um no they 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 they, they've been in terms of sports washing that's what word i was i was trying i was grasping for that dana white has sports washed these individuals but not only that who he deals with let's not forget and let's not um shy away from the fact that when we talk about Fight Island, we have to talk about the transgression of that particular region. It's um, human rights violations has been egregious, but the UFC have looked the other way. So if there was consistency a- across the board, I don't understand exactly where you're coming from. There isn't. Mm, yeah. There isn't. Yeah. But what I mean, penalty they... would you like to see? What Sorry, I'm going to there, Kairos. I said, what type of penalties would you like to see if this was a perfect world and the UFC held people accountable? I guess the same way I see it in other organizations. I've seen suspensions. I've seen fines. I've seen even statements released, like address, like at least address it. You know what I mean? Like Mike and I were on the WOCast last week. Like, what's up with uh, Sahara Eubanks? And we're both like, oh, no, like nothing. (laughs) It's just sometimes things happen and we're just left like this. But it's just. I think that some of those topics are um, important. I agree with the statements so. of the fines. I just think that the UFC, because like they, they are into fuck shit like this. They would, what they would do is they'd be like, okay, you just fought. 
we're going to give you a suspension, but we're going to tell people about the suspension and then say it was retroactive because you already fight every four months anyway, or you already fight every six to eight months anyway. So the suspension mm. isn't even a suspension. It's just your downtime in between fights. So I right. think that like, there's always a way that the UFC is able to circumnavigate this shit. And I think that if, if you have to have penalties, it has to, <laughs> unfortunately, it would have to be financial more than anything for these fighters. And that's a... Uh, that's a tough spot, but it's like, if it has to be done, I guess it has to be done for you to stop kicking kittens and setting babies on fire. But it just, it just seems ass backwards that, you know, the UFC is trying to become mainstream and eyes on the sport, but yet there's also like this side of the UFC that's not ready for that, which is their behavior outside of the UFC, certain statements being made mm. and yada, yada, yada. Like we are really bottom of the barrel. I've, like, I don't, yeah. I know I don't watch other sports like you, Kairos, but we're pretty bad, huh? We might be bottom one or bottom two. Like, I'm not even, I feel like bare knuckle is right down there too. That, exactly. That might be the but only they want to go mainstream, Mike. They were like, more eyes. <laughs> yeah, okay. We are bad. We're about to get MMA banned again if we get more eyes. I'm telling you. <laughs> I absolutely love this topic um, for none other uh, reason than it segues nicely into what I'm about to kick off, unless there were anything else that you wanted to cover here, G, in terms of um, talking points for your particular uh, topic. No, I'm ready to jump on whatever you got to say. Let's go. Okay. Conor McGregor has made a classless comment about the death of Khabib's father. Now, th this is kind of a weird occurrence. I'm just pulling up the actual set of tweets, which well, may have triggered him. Now, we know about the tasteless and crass remarks that Connor has said recently, not just to Connor, uh, sorry, Dustin Poirier's um, wife's face, but also, you know, along the timeline as well. But it seems that a recent tweet from Khabib Magomedov may have set him off, in which a few weeks back, actually, yeah, it was a couple of weeks back, that um, Khabib Magomedov congratulated Dustin Poirier in saying, good always defeats evil. Very happy for Dustin Poirier. I hope you will get the belt end of year. Now, as I said, this was a couple of weeks ago. In yeah. the last 24 or so hours, Connor has basically tweeted as a kind of like response to that, COVID is good and father evil. Now we all know we're well seized of what actually happened to Khabib's father, Abdul, Abdul Manap Namagamadov. Uh, he passed away in 2020 due to COVID complications. Now, the thing for me is this, having just lost uh, my father, I think that this is just the straw that has broken the camel's back in terms of Conor McGregor and how defensive I have been in the past around him and what he has said, because it always seemed as though it was promoting a fight. It always seemed as though he was trying to get into the psychology of, uh, or psychological aspect of, um, you know, a fight actually being manifested, the run up to a fight, anything to do with promoting a fight, I could actively defend and promote. I can't actively defend and promote this. I find this abhorrent. I find his comments disgusting. And I think it's very hard to be a Conor McGregor fan right now with comments like that. But my comment or my um, take on this to you this week, I feel as though we can collectively say, even without asking you, uh, obviously feel free to chime in, that we all are in agreement there. But what is to be done about this, if anything? Let's just imagine, let's just imagine that we are um, WOPR Incorporated and it's our job to kind of like cleanse this whole affair, this debacle, as abhorrent as it is to us. How do we do that? Now, first off, I'm going to go with G and then I'm going to play some audio from... Um, Chisanga, <laughs> who has his take on this. But I'm, my question to you is this, how do we as WOPR cleanse this whole debacle? 
first off, I'm, I'm going to offer you this. How I would actually cleanse this is, A, Conor McGregor has to roll back on this. He has gone too far over the line for anything other than an apology to be acceptable as the first instance. Two, he needs help because it's clear to me that there are some psychological misalignments afoot here in terms of his mental well-being. Three, I would say that a, a monetary um, gift to a COVID organization that actually looks after those actually living with the long-term effects, for example, of long COVID is something which he makes as a donation. But in the first instance, he needs to row back. He needs to come back from the brink by way of an apology. So that would be my starter for three in terms of me bringing a PR kind of like rearranging of the deck. Actually, no, there is one more. I would say four. I would approach Dana White. And again, you can probably see what I'm doing here. It's a little bit cunning, but I would say, Dana, you actually suspend this man for nine months, just for that one comment. You suspend him for nine months. Now you've seen what I've cunningly done there, but that is how I would approach it. And this is coming from someone, as I say, speaking for myself, I find his comments abhorrent. Gee. How do you, as a member of WOPR, manage this? Man, whew. we go full on into just PR damage control. And not only do we do damage control, we have to also set long-term goals. And for me, it would be fix what's going on now and then also look ahead and get um, find a way to reinvent him while piggyback off of fixing these mistakes, meaning like, I agree. You make donations to COVID. Um, you change his entire attitude. You kind of change him back into church boy Connor, a, a statement. And then while he's rehabilitating, he can kind of just lay off with just kind of how nasty he's been as far as talking about children and whatnot, but still vying for whatever fight he wants, whether it's Dustin or whatnot. But I think they need to revamp his entire stick and just he needs to change this route that he's going Marvel villain or whatever the fuck he's doing. It's not working. And he's also not winning. So he either has to change his whole stick or he has to start winning again when he comes back. So people can tolerate this bullshit because you can't be a loser and be this vile. It's not working. So if I was, you know, the whole PR team, I'd mm. be trying to reinvent him and also do damage control. Kairos, what are your thoughts? My bad, my. I was going to say, I was going to let um, Chisanga jump in just with his, oh, his thoughts. My bad. Might colour um, what Kairos has to say, but here is Chisanga. What's good, guys? Chisanga Malata here. Well, not here as in on the Zoom call recording the podcast. I'm currently in the airport awaiting my flight to go back to the United Kingdom where I will be quarantining for a few days after uh, returning from Barcelona. Um, I just wanted to quickly give my my thoughts on Conor McGregor's tweets uh, to, well, his tirade that you went on early on uh, Tuesday morning. Was it Tuesday morning? Yeah, early on Tuesday morning. I mean, where, where do you start? I, I think the biggest talking point, obviously, is undoubtedly his comments about Habib Nurmagomedov's late father, Abdul Manap. Um, he obviously made the, the good versus evil reference in, uh, in reference to Habib's tweet about Dustin beating Connor at UFC 264. And I, I, to be honest, a lot of people are shocked, but I'm not. I'm by no means shocked that this is the case and this, this has transpired that Connor has once again made light of the death of uh, Abdulmanov Nurmagomedov, obviously Habib's father, and the godfather of mixed martial arts in, in Dagestan, and one of the most renowned mixed martial arts coaches in, of, in recent memory. It, I mean, he did it not too long ago where he said that it was, uh, it was a, a, a hoax. I remember I, I, tw I tweeted about it, I tweeted my dismay about it, and not many are, uh, of my reporters, fellow reporters, um, did their, did, did, I don't want to say did their job. No, it, it didn't come to the uh, didn't come to the attention of many reporters who who obviously then subsequently didn't put the news out there. But I was one of the few who did, 
who captured the, the comment under uh, Abubakar Nurmagomedov's uh, post, I do believe he, he made some joke about uh, COVID, COVID mauling, co- mauling people, which surprised me at the time, considering his uncle was in the, uh, it was in the hospital uh, or was previously dealing with it. And Connor commented saying that, oh yeah, basically it was, it was all a cover up. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means surprised that he's, 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 he's stooped to this level. And the timing of the tweet for me as well, it's something that's a bit, uh, not, not, not concerning, but I know he's over in Los Angeles at the moment. And the time the tweets were coming out over here in the UK or in Spain, where I was, uh, where I am right now, it was very late. At, um, very early in the morning, so it's very late at night in, in Los Angeles. So it begs the question: What is prompting these uh, these tirades, these tweeted and deleted tirades? But I mean, going back to my main point about the whole the whole corner thing, it, it's despicable. It's reprint. It's absolutely deplorable. And you cannot, in any way, shape, or form, defend this and try and try use put it under the guise of, oh, yeah, it's just promotion and, oh, yeah, he's just trying to tee up a potential fight or he's just trying to rile up Islam Makachev or Habib or whatsoever. No, this is this is about a deceased person and you don't speak ill of the, Ill of the dead. That's, that's a saying that my parents instilled in me from a very, very young age and this man has habitually, has habitually, not habitually um, spoken ill of the dead, but he's habitually crossed the line when it comes to family, when it comes to... Um, religion and when it comes to other matters as well and i mean you can be a conor mcgregor fan you can be a fan of his um of, of, of his achievements in the in, in the octagon obviously not of, of late because he's he's lost his, his last two you can be a fan of what he's achieved in the past you can be a fan of uh how the, the entertainment aspect that he did bring before 2018 i would say yes even though there were some questionable things said then uh the build up to the jose aldo fight but you cannot be a fan of conor mcgregor the man at this moment in time and by man i'm by no means it's um commenting on his uh on what he does for his family or what goes on behind closed doors or whatever by, by all accounts he's a, he's a fantastic father but in, in terms of the person right now that he is portraying, and just it's it's it, it's not someone who I want the, the the mainstream world to associate as the biggest star in mixed martial arts. I mean, it's 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 disgusting. It's like what what you what you said is disgusting. And I I actually I woke up when I woke up this morning. I it was a bit of a blur to me when. I was in a bit of a blur, a bit of a haze when I read it, and I thought I misread the actual tweet. And uh, yeah, I went back to sleep a few hours later, couldn't see it. But uh, lo and behold, obviously, many other people had captured it, and it was just as disgusting as as when I when I first read it in the day state. There's no defense for this man, and anybody who was defending the tweets that he's uh, he say uh, that he's uh, put out there needs their head examined. There's as I said, you can be a fan, but to swear blind fealty to to uh, to a man and not address their faults that that that's inconceivable to uh, a normal minded person. Anyway, shame I couldn't be with you guys. Just thought I'd uh, chime in and give you my few minutes before I uh, eventually board my delayed flight. Catch you next week. So there is Chisanga Malata's full testimony and deposition. Um, Kairos, I'm not sure if that has informed or uh, changed or skewed what you were about to say, but take it away. Um, Unfortunately, the sad part about this is y'all are going above and beyond. And the reality is in the sports world and in MMA, there's not much that he needs to do to get past this. And why? Because winning solves everything on top yep. of the fact that people adore him. So all he has to do is apologize. I'll give you an example of him apologizing. So a fan tweeted at him one night before the world ends, Ronda or Misha. Connor tweeted one riding dick, one licking my toes. Everyone's like, oh, my God. Not even everybody. It was only a few people who were appalled because I remember being on Twitter and it, he posted on Facebook or Twitter. I can't remember. I think it was Twitter. And no one said anything. There. People like ha, 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 ha. people were laughing and like champion. I, didn't this know motherfucker. I, I remember it. I, 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 I remember it. I remember it because Kairos, 
I gave him a pass. I found it hilarious. Oh, and and shit. and like I keep saying, I, in hindsight, it's 2020. Come on, allow me. Anyway, sorry. Kyra, yeah, like I remember being on Twitter at that time. People were just like hyping it up, like, oh, he's so funny. He's a comedian. Knockout in inside and outside. I was just like, oh my God. And then two days later, there was like a small portion of people who were upset about it, fewer than I thought it would be, or more than I thought it would be, even though it's a small community. And he released an apology. He was like, I respect these two female athletes, yada, yada, the typical bullshit on Facebook. And everyone forgot about it literally the next day. Like literally the next wow. day. Like it was just like, because the next, I think he had like, he fought like, um, he fought like Dustin or he fought like Brimage or someone like that next. No, no, it was after that. He fought somebody. It was like Seaver or somebody. And he knocked him out and they were like, oh, he's the Kings. Like they literally forgot about it after he just apologized and won. So that's why I'm saying y'all PR campaign. Do this. He don't have to do that shit. He does not have to do that shit at all. He just has he to doesn't. literally win his next fight. He might not even have to apologize. So that's all I'm saying. Question for both y'all, um, okay. real quick. Do you think that Mike? Do you really think that Connor is like uh, mentally ill, or something is wrong with him, or is he just kind of like a six nine type of celeb? Is he just willing to say and do anything for clout, no matter how disgusting it is? No, I honestly feel as though there is a misalignment there in terms of his mindset. I feel as though maybe it was the actual break and that is the ankle break that was the moment where he snapped it's just I've never ever seen his demeanor change to mm. how it was when he was in the cage talking to Joe Rogan telling um um Dustin Poirier that he was dead um in the run-up as well kind of like warning bells started to kind of like um ring in my mind in thinking maybe he does need some counseling. Maybe he does need some therapy because as I say, what was the underlining factor for me in terms of what I was kind of like supposing was his in-cage antics when his leg broke. I've never ever seen any athlete, regardless of whether it's basketball, baseball, any athlete talk the way that he had spoken in that professional and uh, in that arena or in, in any sports setting. Fair enough, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a professional, you know, like a health professional type of person, but I am hearing a lot of people saying what Mike is saying, that he's not well and yada, yada, yada. And plus this is someone that gets hit in the head a lot. But at the same time, I struggle with maybe he's just like an MMA 6'9". You know, that guy is addicted to internet fame, likes, you know, you right, Kairos? Like you've seen his documentary, like he's a nut for the clout. And sometimes I think that Connor is doing it for clout. I think he's just like, I don't care. But if I talk about this guy's dead father, my name stays. Not that he needs to, but it just, he's still in the mix. He's still getting traction. People, you know, I don't know. Kairos, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. Jump on. Why it differs from 6ix9ine for me is I've seen the documentary you're talking about. 6ix9ine mm -hmm. was all about clout. 6ix9ine was all about brand recognition. But mm -hmm. Connor is here. Connor is where 6ix9ine wanted to be, but is still exhibiting, I would say, some psychological misalignment there. Mm. Sorry, Kairos, jump in, my man. No, it's okay. I'm just like playing back his career in my head. Like I'm trying to play back from when I first started watching him. I think that I feel like Connor has been this person, but because he was winning, he didn't get volatile. Anytime he ever lost, things got very volatile for him. Like sure, he would like try and antagonize his opponents leading up to it. But after he won, it was all sudden like, oh, it's okay. I, I respect this competitor. They're a great person, blah, 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 blah. But the second he ever lost, the shit got very, very, very volatile fast. Like when he first lost today, it was like, nah, fuck this mother. I'm throwing fucking monster energy drinks into a fucking crowd trying to break people's skulls. And then I'm upset. So that one was bad. The Habib loss, he he was upset about that for a very long, just chatting shit up about it, just on and on and on about mm -hmm. it. The Dustin loss was really bad. Like he was just like. Oh, he was just like fuck charity i know i said i'd give you money i ain't giving you shit and then like this last loss was just i think he's internally 
he had been that person, but because he was constantly being rewarded because he was winning on top of receiving like the acclaim for winning and the money, we never mm-hmm. saw that side because it didn't have to reveal itself because there was no need to reveal itself because he's losing now. And it's a fa- and it's, he's not losing by decision or split. It's in devastating fashion. Like it's hurting his ego. Mm. And now we're starting to see, truly see like what type of person he is when the adversity is kicking his ass. Cause we've seen him battle adversity, but we have not seen adversity kick his fucking ass. Like it's been kicking his ass for the last three years. I think like, yeah, I, but I, yeah, I'm not going to give him a pass and say what I was going to say. Yeah. Mm. It's a problem. Okay. Enough. Well, guns look like they're being put back in the holster. And uh, we've got a, a weekend of fights. I have to say, in terms of what I'm looking forward to this weekend, we'd normally, you know, run up uh, the, the runners and riders for the UFC. But no, for me, this weekend is all about Pitbull versus AJ McKee. I'm not even looking at anything. <laughs> There's a runners and riders on the UFC. It's all about that card for me. How about you two? Um, it's not about the card, but it's all about that main event. This mm. Saturday. Um, I don't know, Mike. I'm not ready to pick a winner. I'm scared for whoever wins. Either Pitbull is goaded or AJ is some new phenomenal truth. So Saturday's going to be live. How about you, Kairos? I'm picking AJ. You know what's crazy, though? You know what's crazy about MMA Twitter? Josh Thompson said this is one of the biggest fights in MMA history. Me personally, I agree with that 1000%. It is one of the biggest fights. He didn't say it's the biggest. He said it's one of the biggest. Mm. And one of them means it can be put on a list. Yeah. And it and I think I out of 100 of the biggest fights ever in MMA, it would certainly make that 100 list. Mm. Now, a person, people were tweeting they're like this is asline. Josh Thompson's crazy. He's always hyping up Bellator. I'm like and I was like, are y'all MMA fans or are y'all UFC fans? There's a lot of people who think that this fight is a joke. There, wow. are, there are people who said that this fight doesn't belong in the top 100. Wow. <laughs> so wow. I'm like, <laughs> that's what's kind of crazy. So I'm at this point, I am rooting for Bellator so hard for this to be like one of the great, I, I don't want this to be like, AJ just comes out there and submits this motherfucking round one or people comes out there and just starches him around. I want this shit to be a five round war. So motherfuckers know that Bellator has great fights and that this is an influential fight. But yeah, it's, I think I, it's, I feel like it's a lot of unnecessary pressure on them because it's already a big fight and it doesn't deserve mm-hmm. to have to prove itself, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they prove themselves to the people who are doubting them. Agreed. Okay. Cool. Well, that wraps up this episode. We'll be back next week. The four of us for Shots Fired. Peace. Later.